Happy 9-11, everybody. Uh, you know, it's a magical time of year. Uh, it's something that really only Americans get to experience. And I feel sorry that like our fellow Canadians up north don't get to know what it's like to really celebrate 9-11. And especially the, the people in the Middle East, like those little kids in Afghanistan, they don't know what having like, you know, rapid destruction and thousands of people dying because of they have field. no idea. They can't relate to us see, Americans. See, on that day, we stood <laughs> as a country and we said, brown people, yeah. we hate you too. You're canceled, sis. Well, you know, like brown people are inherently inferior to white people. So they don't have like the kind of connections that we can make to like national, you know, large disasters and things that really stick with us for, for long yeah we are victims of yeah. radical correct. islamic terrorism correct. and nobody in the middle east knows what that's like correct <laughs> today all over the world there are thousands of sino-soviet intelligence agents with money to burn looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces One of the best parts of uh, the 9-11 holiday, if you will. One, every business should shut down, right? Like, we all know that every business should shut down in remembrance of that great day, right? Because they say never forget. And I'm like, how could I, right? Like, every time I walk by and I see some flags and I see, like, 9-11, never forget. And, like, God bless our troops. And also, like, killing babies is wrong so have them you know like on all the signs in in various parts of georgia i just think wow if only they could have 911 the entirety of america <laughs> um i wouldn't go that far just large swaths uh we are in need of a calling so guys <laughs> if you're out there i'm issuing my own fatwa um fatwa. we're going to have we're going to have everybody just come in and fatwa issued on like Kamala Harris, first of all, uh, Pete Buttigieg, he's definitely in the fatwa. Are there are there are primary targets, if you will, two Democratic primary uh, candidates? Pretty much, if anybody besides Bernie and Warren would just get erased from the face of the earth, that'd yeah. be fine. But you know, nine eleven. Let's let's be serious for a second. You know, uh, the great thing about nine eleven is it gave us free license to terrorize um, the rest of the world. Uh, you know. Okay, 3,000 Americans died. That sucks. But we were kind of asking. We were kind of asking for Does it. Does it though? Say, look, we're we're in need of a dire like population control situation. There's definitely a lot of like overpopulation going on. So like, the more that die, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's a hot take, but it's really kind of lukewarm. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty straightforward like common thought. So you made a you made a point. You said like. Um, we were kind of asking for it, and I always want to know what did the world, what was the World Trade Center, what was it wearing that night? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it was asking for it, yeah, what, with those with those tall steel, it, it gave, those it, steel beams. It and, gave uh, the plane a look. It's like, like, what are you gonna do with a with a building that's over a hundred stories tall? What not fly a plane <laughs> into asking it? You're for asking it for it. Point, for sure. Speaking of, do either of you know how to fly a plane? Do you have like pilot's license <laughs> no. of some sort? No, but uh, because that one guy who like stole plane from SeaTac, he had no experience. He had just played flight simulators. So Dude, I feel that, like my experience in like 2001 flight simulator will probably get us through that dude is like my favorite person like he should go down in the history books because he just woke up that morning and was like i'm gonna steal a plane from the seattle tarmac and fly it around until i die like that's that's like the most ballsy thing you could do you know he was just trying to do some barrel rolls and pretty much like he's like star fox hasn't had a good game in a while so i'm just gonna make one in real life right now but 9-11 okay the like 
we're going to do a cost benefit analysis of this thing. We lost, you know, two buildings, which we're asking for it. Correct. We lost 3000 Americans. Uh, but the damage and the amount of money we have spent to like ruin our own country further and then also ruin all of the Middle East even more. It doesn't seem worth it, in my opinion. Like The most correct take of 9-11 was last 9-11, right? You always celebrate 9-11 by going on Twitter and seeing all the jokes and people going, you shouldn't joke about that. And people like, no, we should only joke about that. Um, was one guy, he said, uh, <coughs> you know, honestly, uh, if you think 9-11 is terrible, like it, it would have been better if like it happened. We said it was terrible and did absolutely nothing did about nothing. it <laughs> yeah. because like, because nine 11 happened and because we did something about it, we made the world infinitely fucking shittier. We gave Bush like a free pass to do whatever he wanted. And, uh, you know, we lost a lot of rights as citizens um, we kind of said that because 9-11 happened and because terrorism was somehow a threat to us, which it, uh, let's be honest, it really wasn't. Um, and it was actually, a lot of experts say it was kind of a fluke, like stuff like that just doesn't happen. And, um, it probably wouldn't have happened again. But the thing is, um, we were, we really were asking for it. And the, you know, we are essentially enemies of the Muslim people. And it gave Bush just free license to do whatever he wanted, like human rights out the window. If you were suspected of terrorism, you had no human rights. And that kind of, those kind of policies have just been carried on. Uh, I don't think Obama did really much to change that. And Trump surely hasn't, as demonstrated by the border. You know, people talk about, oh, we live in a post 9-11 world. And... And like we should be terrified and we have to be scared, right? But the thing is, we should be scared of our own government more than anything else. Like our biggest threat as American citizens is not terrorist or radical Islam. It's the infringement of our rights by our own government in the name of like safety and freedom. And it's the fact that we just decided to fucking carpet bomb like a bunch of like innocent people just because they were brown and or Muslim. Right. Like, that's the worst part about it was like, you know, we always like everyone says, oh, like it was terrible what happened on 9-11. And yes, like 3000 people dying is fucking terrible. No matter. What is it, happens. though? I think we need to revisit the is it though situation. OK, we we're can not, do a class analysis. We're not later. we're not uh, we're not turning to fascism on this podcast, but we're tankies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's the deal. Right. So, like, it's terrible. But like at the same time, like if you have the mentality that a lot of people had during that time and even still now do where it's like, oh, turn the entire fuck fucking country to glass and like God sort it out. Right. Like yeah. it's so wrong because you go, okay, well like these like few radicals killed 3000 people, but like how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have we fucking killed like innocent people. And if you want to make matters worse and put it in a little more perspective and kind of bring it home, the men and women we sent over to the middle East who died fighting this God forsaken endless war based on false premises, that in itself is worse than 9-11 because you're willingly sending in Americans into like terrible situations where you know there's going to be loss of life. You're, you're sending you're sending American Gestapo to go cull these fucking uh, people, right? And then the people, when they fight back, we're like, look at them. They're terrorists. They're blowing us up. It's like, no shit, they're blowing us up. We're in their fucking country with tanks and guns. And like, I... 
I just like all the movies that come out of it. Um, the one about the sniper, American I guess it was sniper. American Sniper, <laughs> yeah, and like Kyle. Black Hero. and like Black Hawk Down, and all those kind of like White House movies that, that are very specifically. It's like some military operative, you know, mission that we had in like 2009, and Chris Kyle going out. It's like he's a hero for like killing killing like 70 brown people. It's like that shit made like a billion fucking dollars just because this dude kills killed a bunch of brown people. He was the punisher. It, it's, it's insane. Actually, how much we celebrate that stuff? But we do live in a culture that celebrates the oh, the, yeah. the the narrative of nine eleven needs to go away. Like it, we're far enough removed that we need to reevaluate it from what we actually know. But I don't think a lot of people want to do that. It's like a rallying cry because I think the second you start doubting, oh, is is nationalism a good thing? And then you like, oh, well, I remember nine eleven, and it's just a story we tell ourselves every year over and over and we use it to justify so many things and that's kind of what i meant by we need to look at like a cost analysis because we're using this event as terrible as it was that day to justify so many more atrocities well god damn if the fucking if if that happened like the cherokee like the fucking trail of tears right the cherokee should fucking wipe out every american living right now. oh yeah dude if if (laughs) natives somehow gained access to weapons of mass destruction we had it come in like 300 years yeah you know they're like they said well 9-11 happened 18 years ago you guys need to get over it but like at the same time it's like dude like we killed so many innocent people right like you know we I'm not saying that like Americans deserve like a certain amount of like violence because no one deserves violence. But at the same time, like we have destabilized the world so fucking much that like it's it's not shocking that people want to kill us. Not at all. So I guess let's pivot. You know. Well, first I want to introduce our special guest uh, at Ben Dranklin himself. Me. The man, the myth, the legend, Kenyon Ward. That's Welcome me. to the pod, Kenyon. Um, bitches be shopping. So if you just want to think about that for a little bit, that's what I got. Let's let's let it sink in. Bitches be shopping. Uh, but Kenyon, Kenyon and I, uh, we go to KSU. We have some classes together, and I think we bonded over Joe Rogan. That I'm was pretty kind sure of a thing. that's it's. Like you brought it up. Of Joe Rogan no, 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 was, no we were like pretty super positive. Hard him. <laughs> you yeah. were bringing up, oh man, oh, it was the Twitter? episode with Jack, and yeah, you were telling we're, our social media professor about it, and I just heard somebody in the class say Joe Rogan, and I was like, hey, I like Joe Rogan, and then I found out you were like an NBA fan. Whoa. I was yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, whoa, I'm, that's that's actually really crazy. Have you ever tried DMT? I have tried DMT, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's entirely possible that. A buddy I, I, of mine. Hey, Jamie, yeah. pull that shit up. Yeah, honestly. Um, but I am obsessed Whoa. with the NBA and basketball, actually. That's kind of my thing. It's my thing for sure. So that's all I got. Bitches be shocked. Has, has your, what are your views of Rogan now? Because I know mine have I still like him. evolved. Um, man, so lately, even in the last year, like I've only caught probably like 10 or 15 episodes because I don't, I'm not into wrestling or UFC or fighting Mm -hmm. at all. And he is the most into wrestling in UFC. Like, I feel like when he had, like, every time he has Joey Diaz on, which is like six fucking times a year, like, those those are his best episodes. Yeah. But they're not my kind of thing because I don't even know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I stick to stand up comedians. And when he has Bill Burr on once or twice a year, Ron White on once or twice. And then the the lightly political and, and, and like rhetoric narrative, like, 
when Jordan Peterson was on there. I'm not a fan, but I'll yeah. listen to them oh, talk. I'll listen to them <laughs> talk and see what they have to say. Joe, you're right. The biggest problem with men today is that they can't. They need to clean their rooms. They can't make their beds. They need to clean their rooms, and you know it's just so sad. You know? He really has an interesting voice. It's, yeah. it's hard to replicate. Did you guys see the Jordan Peterson uh, voice generator that they pulled down? It was so really. Yeah, it was so eerily like sounded like him that's crazy yeah it was great though like they got all him stuff. to say some pretty funny stuff i'm trying to remember the one i saw do you remember anything matt um they had the whole like the the 4chan like explain to loose to me or i'll fucking kill you like that, <laughs> that meme. oh i saw i saw one where he was like uh we on the idw need to uh debate sam cedar because that was like a big thing is that nobody will debate that show I don't um, know. I don't even know who that is. It's like a, a leftist YouTube channel. Uh, there's a building oh, out the, there. the Majority Report? Uh, Michael Brooks is on it. Yeah, the Majority Report with Sam Cedar. It's not the Sam from um, Sam Gilton or whatever his name is. Who's the... I don't know. Fuck. The one from the uh, the radio show back in the day. Uh, lost me, but... Jamie's on that show. The girl that we were shit-talking yes. last pod. Yes, she is on that show. Um, but yeah, they... they Opie the and Anthony. Opie and Anthony and, and Sam. Um, I never, I never watched that show. Oh, really? I, feel, no. I, I would have assumed you're a big Opie and Anthony fan. Well, Opie's a racist now. He, oh, well, then yeah. I obviously would like them. Yeah. Well, well, they. So Opie's not allowed in it anymore because he's he's a very open racist person. But so now it's it's like Anthony and Sam and. By Dr. Jordan Peterson, read to you by the author Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Dick sucking in the workplace. Swab on my knob. Like corn on the cob. That's crazy. That yeah, that's you a need to, You need to send that to me. That's crazy. <laughs> Guys, that was actually Jordan Peterson. That was literally yeah. Jordan Peterson. Now now so back when I first found out about him, I guess probably after listening to the Rogan pods and mm-hmm. seeing some some pushback on Twitter about his choices or whatever, um, I found his YouTube channel and that man has like three hundred hours. That's like not just videos. Like he every video lecture he uploads is like ten hours long. And it's just him talking about like evolution and and like how our behavior evolution has happened since the beginning of time, and it's really interesting. Every time they get on, they talk about the Unabomber and and the oh, manifesto really? about how like everything the Unabomber said is like actually coming to fruition now about how how like our minds and our behavior don't know how to respond to how easy our life is, which is a lot of what his manifesto so, was about. What's interesting about like you talking about Jordan Peterson on Joe <laughs> Rogan is I find like they're like kind of the opposite of each oh, other. Like Jordan sure. Peterson yeah. is the dumbest smart guy ever. <laughs> Pretty much. Joe Rogan's like the, the smartest, smartest dumb, dumb guy. guy literally. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> Joe Rogan's like the smartest dumb guy because like he's not He's not like intelligent, but like he he's coherent. Like he can kind yeah. of like form sentences barely. Yeah. And then like Jordan Peterson is like a smart guy who's incredibly dumb. Like he's he's like a you know, if you if you have like a base level understanding of like anything, he's like your guy, right? Yeah. He's like, oh my guy's a genius because he's talking about Jung and psychology and stuff. And yeah. when you like look into it and you go, dude, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, yeah. like at all. Did you yeah. happen to catch the the Zizek Peterson debate? No. You should watch that because basically it was a, a pretty big deal at the time. Like the internet was hyping it up because it was supposed to be like the meeting of the minds. And I think one of our first podcasts we actually talked about this mm-hmm. was um, uh, Slavoj Zizek. He's a Czech. Is he from Czech? He is Slovenian. Slovenian. So, uh, but he's like this Marxist thinker. 
And then he's also been canceled. Both have um, both have very interesting voices. And right? then uh, Jordan Peterson was on, and he was supposed to represent. It was supposed to be capitalism versus Marxism. It wasn't that at all. But um, it kind of gives you an insight onto how much of a fraud Peterson what, is. What Jordan Peterson actually knows um, about Marxism at all, and which is nothing, because he like prepared for this debate by reading the communist manifesto the night before and the night before like this boy was he had a year. doing his homework the night before and it, his big shtick is the postmodern neo-marxist but he doesn't know what either of these things are and it's kind of like oh okay i can't i i get where he's going i get why he's saying what he's saying but if if you just peel back that first layer and he's challenged by anybody mm-hmm. it kind of just crumbles uh, I used to be a big Jordan Peterson stan until Matt kind of like pulled me out of the, the burning <laughs> abyss. I was in a Ben Shapiro. I was in Dave Rubin. Like I was watching all those guys. Like, so hardcore. Joe Rogan is the only medium in which I would listen to Ben Shapiro talk. But it's actually really interesting because Joe will just it's just like he does with Alex Jones when he's just like he'll tell Ben he's like Ben you're just you're just being crazy right now. He's like dude you're just being fucking insane right now. Yeah. And and uh, um. The fucking Alex Jones episodes with Joe are so funny because Alex will deadass like just word bomb him for 15 minutes and then he'll just be like, you are batshit insane, dude. Like you got to slow down and like when you say something, you need to like, you can't just say these like massive statements and then like act like you didn't say it. Like I think Alex Jones wishes that he could download his brain into every person so that they can, like he, he seems like the, uh, like a tragic comedy of a, of a human being. Like he's like, it's, he, he can't possibly reveal onto you how, what he thinks or feels. And so he just word vomits everywhere. And then when somebody even questions it for a little bit, he gets like really angry. And yeah. Like, that video of him like run, running at that guy on the street. It's like, it's almost like he's suffering. I feel like Alex Jones is like truly suffering in, in a strange way. Well, when you have a big, beautiful boy brain like him, exactly, like, you know, you just always yeah. have to suffer. My favorite, my favorite bit from the newest, uh, the newest uh, Alex Jones Joe Rogan podcast was when Alex Jones does the impersonation of like the South Carolina governor talking about like he's like. It does this perfect Southern accent. It sounds like Kevin Spacey off of House of Cards, and it's super creepy. I recently saw his uh, impersonation of Dasha from Red Scare. With like when she when she was interviewed, you know, because she got famous for that sailor socialism thing. When like her the reporter went up and interviewed her on Infowars, and he was like. Look at this. He's like, look at this bitch. Uh, uh, hey, uh. Yeah, and he's doing like this. Like he's trying to do her like uh, vocal fry. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Yeah. No, he's a true comedian. I, and I I remember the red one of the first Red Scare episodes I ever listened to. They are pedophile vampires, though. Like, <laughs> Jeff- oh, we're talking about <laughs> like he he was he was accurate about Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not vampires. That, that's the weird thing is. <laughs> Every now and then, something Alex Jones has been spitting for like a decade is actually true. Like it gets incredibly confirmed, and we're, I don't, I don't personally know what to think at that point. Let's, let's be fair though; he's throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. Yeah, something bad. Some of it's gonna stick. Some of it's gonna stick. It's a cult of satanic pedophiles, and you, you think you're gonna control the government, but we're done with you. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot for a second, and let's get into this whole. Trump banning vapes deal. Listen, there's a lot to digest. Here. Listen, 
It's really unhealthy. You know, vaping, it's awful. I don't do it. You don't do it. We know it. We all know it. But here's the thing. If you drink six Diet Cokes a day, it's fine. That's not, that's totally healthy. So Matt, you seem to have a pretty good grasp on the situation. Can you give us like the rundown? What What is Trump responding to? So um, there has recently been what the media uh, has called an epidemic, and it's not it's not that bad, but it's bad. Yeah, I think I think they're throwing the word epic, epidemic around to describe anything that they don't like or, or, or anything that's like a, a hot topic. That's like a little of, inconvenient. Of, yeah, literally. <laughs> so the, the, the black ice academic epidemic or like the bitch fell down the stairs epidemic. And we're like, it's just, everything is an epidemic when, when it becomes a story. Exactly. Um, so, so what's happening recently <clears throat> is, um, People have been going into the emergency room and into hospitals um, because of vapes, right? And they don't know what is causing it because there's a lot of people who are completely fine and who've been vaping for years. And then there are people who've been vaping for three weeks and they have black spots on their lung, black spots on their lungs, and they like are developing like a premature lung cancer. And they like doctors have no clue what's going on. So he's one of Trump's uh, big brain ideas is to to ban vapes and uh, to ban every vape that's non-tobacco flavored, right? Because with, one of with the, the idea of kids wanting the different like, right, fruity flavors, right? And the biggest thing about it, though, is that most of the stories that I, at least that I've heard and have seen, has been people going in because they decided to vape THC mm-hmm. out of their pen, and they're putting shit in their vape that isn't supposed to go in their vape. Right. And so, um, this is secondhand information from, you know, a semi-reliable source, but, um, apparently it was going around where people were saying like, if you get the, uh, THC, it's got to have a bubble in it. And if it doesn't have a bubble in it, it's not the good shit. And so what dealers started doing was they started putting nitro bubbles in the THC and that causes a lot of problems when you like obviously yeah. when you fucking inhale heat up nitrogen straight <laughs> yeah when you heat up nitrogen and inhale it like it's causing a lot of problems and there's just like the the THC is not like not good th- mm-hmm. like the vape pen was or the vape wasn't designed to have that in there and so people who are buying the cartridges are getting are typically more sick but one of the biggest problems with it the biggest epidemic is one, it's people who have no prior history of like smoking or like any type of lung shit are mm-hmm. getting it after like three weeks of vaping, right? And the other thing is that they have no fucking clue what it is because the doctors haven't been, and it's not their fault, obviously, because they're seeing so many of these, they're seeing a lot of people a day, right? But the doctors haven't been identifying what the person vapes. And then the person can lie, too. They can say, oh, I've only been vaping the whatever, the, the tobacco flavor. And, and it's not true. He's been vaping, you know, THC through through his, you know. His <laughs> well, like, so I've smoked everything on Earth and put pretty much every drug in my body that won't, like, immediately kill me. Like, I've gotten pretty close. But, like, I've, I've done every drug I can think of that's not heroin. So... Mm-hmm. And I, I've definitely done THC cards and like have a really good dealer who like re- plenty actually. Yeah, Yo, you got the plug. Yeah, who sell <laughs> who sell like reliable cards and like the the people the I think it's six now the people over the last couple months are just buying black market THC things from online tour or whatever like they're just buying it from overseas which is is a risk in and of itself. So one 
legalize it. That would yeah, help. that's the real that thing. It's help. like that we wouldn't have a problem if like we could, American we could regulate it exactly instead of, instead of doing prohibition. Duh. Never ever works. works yeah. It just and criminalizing people for <laughs> those kind of things never ever works. Exactly. I just see so many parallels between. And granted, this is probably the vaping thing is probably not as bad as this, but I see a lot of parallels between the war on drugs, like the crack, the so-called crack ep- epidemic and, and this vape thing. Granted, the crack one, if you're unfamiliar with it, was way, 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 way worse and was like one of the darkest times in our country's history yeah. as far as like police policing our own citizens and having actual Gestapo come in, yeah. seize property. But the government... <laughs> Like, legalize it. It's just common sense that that would solve a lot of your problems. If you want oversight, you know, get oversight. Just don't yeah. do these large-scale bans. And it's just an aesthetic thing. It's just... I think they should legalize every drug. I think they should legalize everything. Because, like, what is it? Like, Amsterdam or, like, one of those yeah. European countries have literally every <laughs> single drug legalized. Mm-hmm. And it saw a huge reduction in the amount of, like, deaths and the amount of drug use and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Because, like... A lot of times people will do drugs just because they, they have this like inherent death drive that they want to like defy authorities. And instead of making any material change to their life, they're like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to fucking I'm going to shoot up heroin or whatever. You know, I like, think the thing that ends up being about drugs is drugs are really fun. Like the only reason I've experimented, experimented so much and tried everything at least like once is because they're just fucking cool. It's yeah. crazy that this like organic shit can like literally warp your brain for like a day or a couple at a time. Like. Have y'all ever done spice or bad salts or either no, one of those? I so don't plan so on it. in high I don't, school, I yeah, in I high school, I had a buddy who. The people I always get my drugs from are never good people. So I, <laughs> they're not good people. Like they are people who exclusively sell that kind of stuff. But I'm like, fuck it, I'll try it. I smoked a joint of spice with bath salt sprinkled on top Jesus of it. Jesus Christ. And that shit will literally like knock you out. It only lasts like an hour or two, but it just like it you don't remember it, it's you don't remember a fucking thing. It's like a Xanax blackout, but you're just like tripping the well, whole time. Well, I've heard it's really crazy. scary things about spice. It is indeed very scary. Um, I had an <laughs> I don't like see the problem with the biggest problem with like and I won't, I've never even smoked weed or anything. Uh, oh shit. The biggest problem with me though is um because I have like enough bullshit going on in my mind anyway, mm-hmm. the only thing that I use to like deaden that every once in a while is alcohol because I can kind of like regulate that. And the, even the first time I got drunk, I was like, I kind of freaked out a little bit. Oh, damn. So I've been there. The thing is, like, if I smoke weed, I feel like I'd be super fucking paranoid. And- yeah, I mean, weed is. And I don't know why weed is like the most popular because to me, weed is the most anxiety inducing thing I could possibly be under. And like I do smoke occasionally. I used to smoke daily for years, but it is truly like I get offered weed all the time. Like my girlfriend and all their friends are like this fucking smoke blunts on blunts on blunts. And I used to do that. But like I just freak out every time. Like all it is, is all it is is me freaking out for two hours. Well, see, that's the thing. Like a lot of people that I know who have like anxiety, they can't like. So the thing, this is what's so weird. So people who have anxiety either smoke weed and make it completely relieves their anxiety or or it it just like worse. It's definitely one or the other two. It's like the it's the polar opposites of the spectrum. Either either you become like dependent on it and it fixes everything 
for you or it's like I don't I hate Do you this. think strain matters or just your physical I makeup? I, just, I, no, I think question. it's people. I think it's people. I yeah. think it's because it's, it's just how you mentally respond to stuff. Like well, you can say it strains yeah. or whatever, but like me and one other person will smoke the same thing and we'll have the same like anxiety or issues mm-hmm. that we're trying to help with it and they'll be fine and have the best time of their life and they need it to like be happy. And I'm like I want to get as far away from being high right now as yeah. possible, literally. We'll see what, what's interesting. And, and I've said this like multiple times is I said like, no, like weed is not physiologically addicting, but it is it's like, very, like psychologically. it's psychologically addicting because a lot of people like rely on it. And I, the thing, so what annoys me about it is people say, oh, it's not addictive. Right. And it, and it is the feeling is, but the thing is like, if you need that to survive, I don't, I don't care. Like, all, like I'm on antidepressants. Like I need the antidepressants. Right. Like okay. if I don't have antidepressants, then. Like, you know, life is infinitely worse. Mm -hmm. And if your life is infinitely worse without weed, then I think you should have, like, access to legal weed, right? Like, that's... I agree. You know, so... Have y'all ever done meth? I'll tell that story. No, no, I... Give us the rundown. Listen, like I said, the only thing I've ever done was alcohol and, like... So meth makes you feel like God. And then you just go under, like, a two or three day long psychosis or like your entire world crumbles around you. And then you're like, you're so the second that you snort or inject meth in any way, like your brain rewires itself to become physically addicted to that. So that like all that you can think about and what your body immediately wants more of is just more meth. Cause like that's, I don't, I don't know the deal. It's just what it's made mm-hmm. up of. So it just immediately like changes. I don't even know how to describe it, but like I started like the psychosis I was under, because I was awake for about like five, six days. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, I, I didn't sleep for about six days. Um, I had to go to the hospital because I had like heart palpitations and oh had like God. a minor heart attack. I, I mean, I overdosed. It's the first time I did it because I snorted Jesus. Like more than like half a gram. Yeah, we don't recommend this, kids. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely <laughs> don't do it. No, I'll tell you, it makes you feel like Do the like safe God. drugs. Like, do yeah. the cool safe drugs. Do cocaine, drugs. please. Yeah, see, cocaine is way super lame compared to meth. Like, cocaine is like. No, no, no. Let's co- not say it's super lame. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I mean, cocaine is just lame to me. Like, cocaine- whenever people offer me coke, I'm like, it's just, it's just really expensive. Like it's just so it's it's the bourgeoisie. It literally is like the rich people. It's like it's the petite bourgeois. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, honestly, if you are, uh, you know, if if we're talking about class struggle, and we all know the history of struggle is the history of class struggle. Um, if you are one of the lower classes, don't do any drugs, kids, because like let the rich people do drugs and 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 fight fight them with fight them with words and, yeah. and fists and, and or if you're in the middle class just pop perks which is what i like to do so there we go uh you know we'll have a a, a spin-off pod we've been talking about doing alt pods uh maybe we'll do like uh instead of like a wine review we'll just do hard, hard drugs drug and narcotics review, review. Yeah. oh speaking of uh petite bourgeois i saw this film uh Yes, last night, and it was called Metropolitan. And actually, the the Den of Vipers, the Red Scare subreddit, recommended it, and uh, it was really fucking good. It was talking about um, like Marx, like it was a a bunch of like petite bourgeois New York socialites going to debutante parties, and they're talking about literature and philosophy and all this shit. And and it's a uh, it's a very interesting. Do they make multiple cheers to industry? They're like huzzah to no, industry. No one one to guy industry. said that that the one one of the guys said that like the the petty bourgeois they have a even more precarious situation than the they're doomed to failure and the other guy who's like a marxist right because like the director is kind of a marxist he is like just describing how like that's stupid (laughs) right like he's just like the petite like they're they're you're fine like we have these parties and they suck right so it was it was interesting 
Um, if we want to talk about class struggle, I really want to get into this Rudy Giuliani video. Uh, if you haven't seen it, pause the podcast, look up Rudy Giuliani fascism <laughs> video, and it will pop up. It, this this video is is one perfect. It's like a masterpiece, uh, but it's absolutely terrifying that people think like this and don't see any like any problems with it at all. And the idea. So in the video, you have. A bunch of protesters, not even Antifa, just protesters who are protesting. Well, they're, they're coded as Antifa. They're supposed to be Antifa, but they have it literally could be and, anybody. Yeah, they have balaclavas and they have like the whole like the the face thing, and they have like like what is spat. a balaclava? I've always wondered. Balaclava is like the you ever see like robbers like when they put the, the face mask on, mm-hmm. you can only see the eye holes. Uh, that's, that's a balaclava. Not to be confused like, with baklava, baklava. That's a food. The right? Greek uh, pastry dessert. Yeah, which I learned is that. Fantastic. I learned that from Carly. Carly has a great episode on baklava. So there you go. Not balaclavas. Yeah. Not balaclavas. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they um, would. But you have you know the protesters pitted against the riot police. And there's uh, basically, I forget if it's voiceover or text, essentially saying, like, America stands with the police. It showed a, it was like, America, America. And it shows, like, a little kid, like, in a baseball game, like, saluting the flag. And it shows, like, a guy, like, in his military, like, signing into the military. And then it shows him, like, probably, like, after he gets out of the military, after he killed a lot of innocent brown people. Um, in a police uniform, and he like flips the 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 visor down, mm-hmm. and he's he's a riot police, and he's like beating the shit yeah, out. He, of he, he like whips protesters. out the night stick, and he goes. He at does, the protesters. Yes. He's like, <laughs> and he just goes ham on these protesters. No, that shit is so funny. And it's like, dude, and Rudy Giuliani's like, this is like, this is what our country like. This yeah. is what we should strive <laughs> to be. It's like. A fascist state? It's basically like, just a Pepsi commercial where, like, the, the, Kent, the Kylie Jenner, it's like, just hand him a Pepsi and everything. That would have been a great twist if yeah. it was Pepsi branded. I agree. What if it was a Sprite commercial? <laughs> well, the, right? LeBron would have to be in it. That's yeah, what I was saying. Sprite, like, exactly. the, the Sprite commercials, like, we've talked about this before, are um, very targeted toward a certain a demographic. A certain demographic. Yeah. Probably in boardrooms they call it like, urban. Sprite to me doesn't seem like urban. an African American drink. Like it doesn't seem, you know, like <laughs> sun kiss. I don't know what blue drink. Like hey I don't man, know, hey drink. man, let me get a Sprite. <laughs> yeah, it's like sure purple drink if you if you want to go that route. But like it's like they're trying to be not racist while advertising to to a group of people. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, when you realize so oh, this so is a corporation. The guy flips down his helmet, pulls out a fucking nightstick, ready to beat up these like protesters, rightfully protesting. And uh, LeBron comes up. He goes, want a Sprite cranberry? <laughs> and it's to both us eyes. Sprite. <laughs> Bro, yeah. shout out to LeBron. Dude, it was so... what? Like, Also, one, Rudy Giuliani, he's Italian. So he's fascist, right? Like, that's just... <laughs> yeah, he's full on Fredo. Yeah, he's just straight up fascist. And, and the thing is, like, it was such... Such beautiful pairing, right? Like, it's like shot was the Jack Ryan Venezuela, and then the chaser was the Rudy Giuliani video. Like, we just straight up have, like, propaganda now. And it's, like, not even... Like, propaganda I'm, makes a lot of money. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, why would we not have propaganda when we could just have it and then make a lot of money? See, I I want, let's get back to the days where propaganda was like a little more nuanced. You know, yeah. it was, it was papers, posters, and flyers. It wasn't so much in your face. Yeah. No, I'm talking about like the 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 American sniper kind of movies, the 
the where there's some class to it. We're not just straight up fascism <laughs> rocks. We're like, man, brown killing brown people is cool. Yeah. But also, also fascism. Being the Punisher is pretty sweet. <laughs> you want to be the Punisher? Join the U.S. Army. Well, and like, and back in the day, they used to go through the the cinematic process. They would either write books or like uh, movies, TV shows, and now they just like tweet out a shitty sixty second long video on Twitter and just like, this is it. This is what I have to say. I wonder how much money went into that video. It was their production value was all there. It was incredible. How are you high. supposed to watch that inside with the police? I, I kind of respect the director of that video. I mean, it's actually a really good. It's really well shot. So <laughs> how are you supposed to respect the police in that? They are the bad guys in that situation. Like they, they're like coat. They look like the bad guys. But right? if that if if that video does anything, it completely demonstrates the two. Like if if we live in a dichotomous like society mm-hmm. with like not to just say Democratic and Republicans, but to say like two completely different ideals and thought processes, like two classes, one two classes. Literally, it's like one class thinks of the police as the heroes in that situation where the protesters are the bad the bad people, and one class thinks people were just voicing their opinion, and then that police are the oppressors. Well, like, the sad part is <clears throat> that the 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 use of police in fascism is getting the proletariat to turn against itself. Like, yeah. the, the police are part of the proletariat. They're not, like, bourgeois or anything. Well, they're, no, they're one they're, of us. They're part, they're, no, they're part of the, the... The police officers themselves are part of the proletariat class, but they the, the police as a system is bourgeois. Well, and it's interesting because, like like you're saying, the police are, like, part of this, this upper class, but they're also one of us. Like you said, they're kind of... I don't want to say taking us apart from the inside. They're but class traders. Yeah, they're, they're literally class traders, and it's always so interesting that... I hate to dehumanize them and think them as, I mean, there is a human being, a citizen behind that who had a life and all these decisions to like come to the point where I'm going to go into law enforcement for some reason. And I'm not, I'm not sympathizing with like their struggles during their job because that's, you know, why, why are they a cop anyway? That's pretty mm-hmm. fucking stupid. But it's like, what makes you think that you're doing the right thing? Like, what things have they been fed to to truly believe that what I'm doing is right? What, why did they believe they are actually, like, protecting the country and enforcing the law? And, like, why do they have these values to begin with? It's because, like, I feel like <laughs> with, you know, the capitalist death drive, I feel like we, we all want to aspire to something, right? Like, sure. we want to aspire to something greater. Sure. Yeah. And the police, police officers view their job they say we're protecting and serving mm. the people which is like the one of the biggest bourgeois lies ever invented which is now you're protecting class interests because the only people that police and law actually arrest and punish is poor, poor, people. poor people yeah and the only time that it, it 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 will call someone from the bourgeois rank only when there's a a threat against the the whole system <coughs> Exactly. And even then, there won't be justice metered out. It'll be a straight up, you know, Bill and Hillary will pull out the suicide gun. It's also, I love seeing, I mean, I don't, I don't love it as in it's admirable. You hate to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. It's like, yeah, you hate to see it because cops don't make any fucking money. Like, I mean, it's interesting how they're, they're basically the labor the labor force of that class, I mean, whereas like, they're still at the bottom of the totem pole for yeah. that class and the industry, rather than being like production and like creating something they're they're enforcing the power and that higher level stuff, but they're, they're just the labor force. So you know what I mean? Like they're the ground level people who don't get treated correctly, even though they're the whole reason that system exists to begin with. The, the police 
get the surge of power themselves. I, and I that's think so like too. addicting yeah. too is to be like, I oh, can yeah. control this human being yeah. and I have like the law. Well, and and like, like you said, how mm-hmm. people want to aspire to something great. It's like those people, the people who become police or some sort of law and source law enforcement or take pride in a military service. It's like they, the greatest thing they could ever achieve mentally. Has right, been, yes. It's been seemed to believe that the greatest thing they could achieve is military or protecting the country or law enforcement. And they don't aspire to anything else in life. It's like, They've been, the, the way they process it, rather than finding an individualistic like something they could greatly achieve, to they've been fed that the greatest thing achievable is protecting the country and or, serving it in some form. Or I think honestly, I think one of the biggest problems, maybe to to spin off that idea, is 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 the inherent individualism, right? With like like liberal neoliberal like democracy, right? Quote unquote. Um, everyone aspires to be something great, right? Yeah. Instead of like bringing the entire class up, we all want to, and we all have to, to survive, to yeah. succeed, right? That is very fair how it's a very like self-centered, it's a, I mean, we're all very self-centered people. We have to be. Yeah. It's like, right. And it's, but, well, well the thing is our, because our system, the system we live under is transactional, Yeah. right? The, the, we, we, we have to be self-centered because yeah. of, of a uh, uh, you know like this inherent drive to outperform the other person, whereas a lot and there are a lot of people. If you ask them, they, they want to bring everybody up, right? Yeah. Like, and that's that's fair. But we have to you know get rid of the system. But the biggest thing is, um, I feel like a lot of police officers, a lot of military people, are people who have been pushed down their entire life, right? Like there have been oh, people for who sure. because like if you look historically, right? Like who are the, who are some of the first police officers, right? The Irish, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of like minority police officers now. Yeah. Right, and it's because they've been historically talk oppressed. About, talk about class traders, right? Black it's, cops, exactly, and uh, black also and the blue, black and blue, blue. Yeah. <laughs> that movie that's coming out. Yeah, um, yeah, and so they decide that they want a modicum of that bourgeois power, but they don't have any inherent power. They just they have the they have the power to oppress people who are directly below them but it's not even directly below them it's people who are in their same and class. i think another thing about the military and law enforcement is that that power like you can jump from the bottom of the totem pole to something and it's so accessible to them it's so accessible to anyone it does not take anything to become a police officer mm-hmm. like and it also doesn't take anything except like physical force and getting yelled at to be to have this power in the military like all of that power and that that class jumping that that vertical movement is incredibly accessible to anyone. You just have it to could be very tempting. Exactly, it's exa- literally it's like the 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 forbidden fruit type shit. It's like I can jump from here to here without even having to try, and then suddenly I'm not a part of that class I used to be anymore. So yeah. And you have a new group identity, which is that's exactly. And so the, instead of the group identity that you identifying with being where you came from in the low class or the poor or the the minority or what have you, it's it's this new group identity of of oppressing the the group you used to belong to. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sad. Yeah. It, oh, it is sad. I mean, existence is pain. But seriously, fuck police. Fuck twelve. Now, do we? Because there's this idea going, and I think Matt, you and Cole have talked about this a lot. It's the idea of individual culpability versus like the system causing it. Like how much individual blame do you give to these cops and how much is it the system forcing them to be like this essentially? Yes. So yeah, Cole and I were discussing this recently in regards to uh, ironically mine and uh, another chick's uh, Twitter beef. 
it was um, we were talking about individ- individualistic, um, not car separatism. It was uh, it's like repercussions, like calling people out for their bad behavior and punishing punitive. Punitive. It was individual. It was punitive individualism versus um, you know a structural analysis, right? And I believe that uh, there is. I believe that you can have both because I I think that. To say that everybody's reaction is to, to say that everybody's actions and reactions are just inherent to the system, I think that's fair to say. But at the same time, there are people who are within that system who don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like who don't act and react that way. Yeah. So I think it boils it down to the system. The system needs to go, right? Like we, we agree on, like we can all agree on that. Like the system needs to go. But if a cop, an individual cop within that system rapes somebody, like you can call them a rapist. Like it's yeah. fine. And that was the whole argument. That was saying like, we don't have to individually cancel or call out every single person. But if someone is being like agreed upon shitty, then we should be have the right to say that that one person is shitty. But you should also look at the structure around. Yeah, it, not right? ignore, not be, just become a reactionary, not yeah. to start canceling people. So a specific example would be like the Eric Garner case from a couple years ago at this point. I'm not sure the timeline of it, but the 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 hearings for that particular officer that did the strangling death of him just came out in the last like couple weeks or months, and. I mean, that dude strangled a guy to death. The dude was completely unarmed. He was selling cigarettes, like, on the you know, fucking singles, like, on the side of the road. And the cop just choked him to death. He felt like it. The fucking, the the head of the New York, I guess it's the NYCPD or NYPD, the, I don't know what, the commander, sergeant general. He said, he, he said in a, paraphrasing, but pretty much quoting, he's like, you know, these officers go through very intense training. They have a lot of hard decisions to make. And I believe that I would have made the, the same decision in that case. The head of the NYPD said that he would have strangled a man for selling cigarettes on the side of the road who was unarmed to, to like you guys were saying, like to continue that system. It's like rather than betray the system, it's like, no, I would have done the same thing, which sets the precedent that that's fine. That that's there's no accountability. Right. That's completely okay. There's no culpability. There's no. What, see, so this is why. This there's is why, like like you were saying. There's no individual culpability for what you. We're not going to blame an individual for being a murderer. It's like no, he's one of us. So we're not going to hold anybody to an individual standard. Right, and that's the thing. Like <clears throat> this is what I argued uh, a while back. You know, the whole like Michelle Carter right thing. The documentary came out on HBO. Great documentary. Um, and her whole thing was like, you know, uh, you know about Michelle Carter? Yes. Do you know about Michelle? I Carter? do not much, but okay. Well, you can, you're welcome to, you've probably heard of this case. Okay. Sure. So she's the chick. She was in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And what happened was she was the chick that, um, she had a long distance boyfriend. Right. And they only met like four times in person. Right. But they were both like super fucking depressed. They were teenagers and she like, they would constantly text back and forth. And it came out that she, she told, he was trying to kill himself. He put a, a carbon, like a carbon generator in his truck. Oh, and she was like telling him to do it. And and he got out and she said, get back in. Yeah. And kill yeah, yourself. I do, right. I do now. Yes. Okay. So if you look at like everything that happened though, mm-hmm. right? Like if you, and the documentary does a great job at, at, at showing this. Um, What's the name of the documentary? Um, it was, um, I can't remember. Now. We can look it's, it up and put it in the description. It's on HBO. Yeah. Um, 
the first episode, it makes it seem like she's to blame, right? Mm-hmm. It, it says, you know, all this stuff. And then it shows, it goes, well, wait a minute. We have two years of text from this guy constantly saying he wants to kill himself to her, yeah. constantly saying, like, I just want to do it. You don't care about me, whatever, whatever. And then Michelle Carter comes out and tells him to do it, right? She'll, she'll say, well, it's like, it's fine. Do it. Because she said that she felt like he was actually, like, in pain and, like, needed to go right and 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 that was a thing like they weren't looking at his culpability in that situation they 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 weren't looking because the thing is michelle carter was 17 when she did that right and like we're all fucking stupid teenagers when we're that young and the thing is when you tell somebody like when you have someone constantly saying for two years like someone you love that they want to kill themselves whatever it takes an emotional toll out on that person sure. and she was already she's probably just done she was just like fuck it dude. yeah and that's what i was saying like if i said everyone's told somebody to kill themselves at one point i'm just oh like even joking like oh fucking kill yourself right yeah. am i culpable for that for that yeah. that act right yeah. he was the individual in that situation that decided to go through with it. Oh, I agree. He was the one with the agency. He was Which the one with the agency. And to say that she contributed to that mm-hmm. through her text, not even to yeah. call it through her text, that's so wrong. And it's taking his individual agency out of the situation. You say he's just a he's just a poor, depressed boy that everyone should have called. Yeah, like we've lost all personal responsibility for our own actions in this this day and age. I, I don't know when that started, but it's like people are not re- not held responsible or accountable for their own actions, and either someone else is blamed or their own actions that were negative are just. It's like, been going biggest, on for a decade. And I'm sure biggest, it has. And the biggest problem with it <laughs> is that not only that, but like we aren't looking at the actual structures that are causing this, right? Like the biggest thing is we, we, we point, they point to, they say toxic masculinity is the reason, right? They say like, she wasn't like compassionate enough about his mental health, right? But is Um, it her job to be compassionate about somebody else's mental health? And that's the thing. Like, why is he depressed? Yeah. Why is he depressed? Like, doesn't he do anything about his own problems? Is it, is it, his problem is it the system he lives in, right? Is it is it that he's a downwardly mobile white guy, right? Or is it his just toxic masculinity? He's not toxic anymore, right? Like we don't like when we look at the structure structural analysis of it, and we say like, oh, like it was just like he just randomly developed this mental health problem. Like people don't like depression is a thing that you can be born with, yes. I'm not saying you can't be, and and it's it, a lot of times it is a chemical imbalance in the brain, but like it a lot of times stems from something else, and a lot of and it, a lot of that is from living in a fucking awful world, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 not trying to change the world at all, saying it's his it's his fault that he's depressed. He needs to go out. He needs to go run more. He needs more sun. And it's like, well, no, he's depressed because he's not going anywhere in life. Right? Yeah. He's depressed because, like, his brain stopped making a chemical because he's so tired of dealing with this bullshit. Right? And that's... I don't know. It just upsets me. I, I still... I definitely still hold the opinion while I see what you're saying. Like, I guess I do believe that people are responsible for their own mental health, at least to an extent. Like, 
I think you're responsible for your own actions according to your mental health. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yes, the system is to blame, but if we all live in the system, then is it really like some, oh, his his life was so much different than this other guy's, but two depressed people, one guy killed himself, one didn't. Mm -hmm. I think we all have a responsibility to, to take, you know, matters into our own hands and instead, like, depression is an unfortunate thing and I think a lot of people deal with it in some form or another, but Mm -hmm. I still believe it in that situation, it's his responsibility to, to act proactively about it. Run more is not the answer to that situation, obviously, (laughs) but like there are things that he could do or could discover. Mm -hmm. And it's his, basically it's his job to not give up. Like when it comes to depression, anxiety of like that extreme, or your only job is just don't kill yourself. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Or it's his, if he didn't want to live anymore, that was his prerogative. And I mean, I agree too. And therefore, yeah. somebody else shouldn't be blamed for right. his death. I, when I it's agree like with that, yeah. his prerogative was yeah. not be alive anymore. Why are we blaming Michelle, whatever the fuck, for just being like fuck it? And I feel bad that that girl was dragged into it because that dude is probably a toxic piece of shit and yeah, exposed no other people to his toxicity and brought her down. Many she brought her down. He brought her down to his level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she was just like fuck it by that point. You know, now she's in jail right now, right? Uh, for, yeah, she gets. She gets out at the end of this year. Okay. Yeah, because uh, her life is so fucked too. I you hope she gets. You don't like ever a, come back from that. I hope she gets like a book deal or something. Like, you don't I ever really, come back from that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how in the world you come back. From and that and that's situation. and that's the thing. Like, you know, her her biggest moral failing was not understanding that men are usually successful in their suicidal ideations. That was the only moral failing that she had, because. Women typically, when they're depressed and they want to commit suicide, they're typically more likely to seek more opportunities for help. Like they're they're more like like cutting and like they're more kind of like perf- almost, I don't want to say performative, but they're kind of like seeking out someone. They're they're seeking out Prince Charming to save but, them. But is it her responsibility? to be held accountable for the fact that he was actually more likely to do it. No, no, not at all. That, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Her, like yeah. literally her only moral failing was not understanding that. And who the fuck yeah. doesn't like, no one understands that really. Like, right. Cause like you said, Oh, well like guys, like what do you have to be depressed about? Like you're, yeah. you're in the top of a fucking yeah, whatever. Sure. And it's like, well, you, you know, people, people are different. They have any number of reasons to be depressed, like regardless of whatever, you know, so, no. what do you think? are you crazy? I'm a bit crazy, yeah. Um, We're all crazy. But yes. We're all Joker uh, now. All right. (laughs) He should have just waited until 2019 to see the Joker. Bring out the clowns. I actually really want to see that movie. I can't can't actually, I can't can't underestimate or underexpress how how excited I am to see that movie. Honestly, because I I think it's going to be shit, but I cannot wait. No, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it because of like how people are like, oh no, there's going to be like more mass shootings because of the Joker. Oh no, dude, everybody who's seen it early fucking loves it, dude. Everybody that I know that has seen it early loves it. They also really love the Roman Polanski movie too. (laughs) I don't know what movie. Uh, I don't know either. I just know that he's a child rapist. And uh, is he making he, the movie? No, he's he had a so at tip. In tip, fairness, is he a child rapist or is he just Polish? That's virtually <laughs> the same thing, I guess. When you put it like that, you see, <laughs> that's French, but no, but uh, so so next week on the pod, Cole will hopefully be back. Um, we don't know what he's up to. He's doing stuff. He's, he's doing his own thing. He's jerking it. Um, 
And then let's see, this is episode seventeen. It's definitely episode something. Oh, we got a very special guest for uh, episode twenty. Everybody. We're gonna try to get something special. So just skip ahead till episode twenty, and you won't have missed a thing. Yeah. So I guess this is a uh, this is a sign off. So till next week. Oh yeah. Till yeah. next week. See ya. Bye.